welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko. Joining me, as always, if I'm doing this right, and there's no guarantee that it is for all of you watching on YouTube, uh, the founder and fearless leader of Coordination.com, John Johnston. And joining a, a regular uh, panel guest uh, or, or podcast guest or whatever you want to call him, uh, he is uh, all the way from Scum City, Iowa, <laughs> which is difficult because all the cities in Iowa are scum. Uh, Todd Todd Wolverton, hello, Todd. Hello there, Greg. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, doing great. John, how are you? Oh God, I'm great. It's just uh, something happened to your head. I. I got a haircut. It's yeah, but this is the first time they ever... They didn't see you with hair. They yeah. think that's you normal. It was It was bad. It was... What was that freaking private that went banana shit in uh, full metal jacket? That's that's what I'm looking at right now. I'm private pile. Yeah. You know, I wish I had Vincent D'Onofrio's career. You know? A lot of people... I was thinking about him. Uh, a lot of people forget that he was in the original Men in Black. And, uh, you know, he, he gets taken over by, uh, yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio was in Men in Black with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. He was the bug character. And, uh, uh, he, you know, the, the spaceship lands and destroys his truck. Uh, he gets, you know, the Edgar, you know, the, the human gets like dragged down into the, into the pit. And then the bug comes out wearing the Edgar suit, as it became called. And, uh, and his wife says, Edgar, what's the matter? Your skin looks like it's hanging half off your bones. And then he pulls the back of his head. I, I can't. Oh, yeah. No yeah. visual effects on, on, on the show here. Who is uh, that guy? Okay. Wow. And I didn't even that. more recently, uh, of course, he was in, I want to say, one of, one of the Law and Orders, I believe, was Special Victim Unit. But even more so than that, uh, did a, a crushing job uh, as Kingpin uh, in Marvel's Daredevil series. So... Uh, little little uh, sidebar to Vincent D'Onofrio's uh, stellar right. acting career, uh, courtesy of John Johnston. He's your idol, kind of. <laughs> I mean, who else would know this shit other than a guy that has some kind of weird private pile fetish? <laughs> Speaking of uh, weird and fetishes, John, what the hell are you wearing? <laughs> This is my new pandemic wear. Oh, God. Do you want to see it? I'm yes, you do. People are going to have to go to the YouTube video. Come on, Greg. Look at this. Oh, God. <laughs> now, is that is that just a, a shirt, or is it like a full pajama thing, or what do we got there? <laughs> it's nice. Where's my butt? Oh, God. It really, Todd, it really was. His, I'm going to have to put like an NSFW rating on this. Uh, so good. Well, that's fantastic. This is, uh, this is pandemic wear. It's not pajamas. It's that's pandemic fine. Wear. I mean, this is, is there a difference at this point? Uh, yes, it's pandemic wear. It's very sophisticated. I, you know. When people ask me, are you wearing pajamas at home? No, fucking wearing pandemic wear, you shit asses. <laughs> Are they the soft you think pants or hard pants? Soft Wait, pants or hard pants? They're pandemic wear pants. I heard about soft pants and hard pants. Oh, God. What? Yeah. Well, soft pants are what you can wear when you're on Zoom. 
hard pants are what you have to wear when you go out in public. Who came up with that shit? I don't know. I saw it on Colbert. <laughs> well, that explains a lot. And uh, a little more uh, for the imagination. I'm not wearing any pants. So there you go. Oh, great. Good job. Yeah. I'm wearing shorts. Does that count? I mean, by the way, if we're talking about repping Husker gear, my favorite Husker shirt, classic Herbie Husker. What did you think of the basketball uniforms with the Herbie Husker, the old Herbie Husker? I think it was nice that they they honored tradition in that way. There's been, ever since OG Herbie was retired, I feel like there's been... Just a groundswell of support to bring him back. Like from day one. No offense to current Herbie, um, but nobody likes him. You know, or maybe ten year olds, you know, but but he's been around for sixteen, seventeen years, I think. This, nobody likes Herbie. I don't think it, I think there is I I would say the overwhelming majority of, of Husker fans and Look, if you're watching this uh, on YouTube, comment right now. We want to hear from you. Do you prefer classic Herbie or new Herbie? I bet you the overwhelming majority is cl- is in vote of classic, John. What do you think, Todd? I would have to agree with you. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Are those my only two choices? <laughs> that and Lil Red. Well, yeah, but let's leave Little Red out of this. We know people hate him. I personally love him, but well, let's stay away from that. Stay on topic with the Herbie thing. You really think that people hate Herbie Husker in his current form right now? I think so. Does it is current Herbie ever featured on a football game? Do the announcers ever make reference to current Herbie? They never do. You know, they they talk about Brutus the Buckeye. They talk about. Herky the Hawk, they talk about every other school's mascots that got a decent one. And Nebraska's got Herbie. You know, and I, I think part of that, but listen, part of that is because, I mean, I, let's, I know I referenced the University of Minnesota a lot, but that's because, yeah. you know, I live here. They also do have the best mascot in, in all of sports. They do. Goldie Gopher, not because it's a gopher, not because of its look, but because Goldie Gopher is a maniac at every sports event he goes to. And he's funny, and he's active, and he's always involved, and he's always doing something to entertain the audience. And I think the problem in Nebraska has with Herbie Husker is they don't let him do anything because he's not part of the fucking religious service that Nebraska have for its sporting events. Because everybody would look down there and go, why is the mascot in the religious service now? Which book from the Bible is he gonna read? It's a basketball event. We can't have a guy hopping around in a suit having fun at this event. Cause it's serious. That's my take on the problem with uh, Nebraska's mascots. And that's why I like Little Red. Little Red has fun. He entertains kids. He entertains me. I, you know. Kids and kids at heart. I hate him because he's embarrassing. Why? Not part of the religious service. Can't have a giant blow-up thing. The fucking religious service that is Nebraska sports. <sighs> I feel better. What else is going on? Two things. One is going to completely show my bias and also piss off most, if not all, of our 
viewers slash listeners, the greatest mascot in sports is Fred Bird. I don't care if you disagree with me, you're wrong. Uh, two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, let's not, I mean, we could predate Herbie if we wanted to discuss Corncob Man. I like that one. I, I think they should have some form of that as a terror mascot. You know what I mean? I mean, Purdue Pete has that terror thing going for him because those eyes have seen shit. We need a mascot that would be, you know, invoke fear into the heart of our opponents because other than our volleyball team, maybe the wrestling team, nothing is evoking fear into the heart of our opponents. It's time to bring out Corncob Man. If nothing else, he'd look like a giant phallic symbol, and we could talk about that. Speaking of uh, the the dead-eye, lost soul attitude of of, uh, Purdue Pete, did you know there are only a, a couple of NFL teams that on in a regular non-COVID season they don't have cheerleaders? Are you aware of that? Uh, so Pittsburgh Steelers again. I'm showing my bias a little bit, or at least my knowledge. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers don't have cheerleaders. About a decade or so back, I think for a season or two, they had a mascot. They had never had one before. I, I for the for the YouTube viewers, I'm going to put up a picture here. The name of the Pittsburgh Steelers mascot was, or maybe is, if he still exists, I don't know, Steely McBeam. <laughs> oh, you know what? Maybe if they'd had that son of a bitch around last weekend, they wouldn't have got their ass kicked in the first quarter by the worst team in the history of the NFL. <laughs> you're, you're real proud of yourself no, that you're re- really going after I, the low-hanging fruit aren't you john i was really trying to think of somebody i might know that was a steelers fan this past weekend but i i, I couldn't think of anybody that would admit to i mean the browns the first playoff game in like 3400 years and they come out and they're not supposed to win at all, and then they just obliterate the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was amazing. And then it turned into the most boring Big Ten game ever. They literally, what the fuck, the Steelers punted. I'm, I'm so excited I'm spitting. They they punted from the 38 down four touchdowns. And fourth and one. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh, John. my God. John. Oh. I don't want to relive Sunday night. I want to relive Nebraska football. Okay. We're back to mascots. What would be a good mascot since we didn't think of this ahead of time? Todd, uh, I'm going to let you go good? first. I <laughs> I think uh, an improved Herbie that, you know, did interact, uh, you know, and, and, you know, kind of was a wild man similar to um, Goldie the Gopher, uh, you know, you go to the games and all he does is just stand down there by the cheerleaders and clap his hands. You know, there's, there's no engagement. Do you think it's easier to be like that wild character type mascot? If it's, if it's not, if if it doesn't look like a human, I mean, just that, I mean, it's, it's a crazy theory, but like Herbie Husker is a human 
uh, Purdue Pete is, but there are there aren't that many human, you know, or at least human in, in form mascots. But you know, you got uh, you got the West Virginia Musketeer guy, the Mountaineer. Okay, thanks for uh, you know. I, I mean, nationwide, uh, it's not it's not on your side, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I'd say the the overwhelming majority are not, you know, human, you know, looking like a person type of mascots. They're more of the right. Goldie Gopher types, you know, the uh, Bucky Badgers and and uh, the Missouri Tiger. Yeah, Truman is his name. <laughs> you remember that story that guy told us, Todd, at that one Iowa State football game? I don't you remember know. that at all. No. Okay, I was talking to this guy. We're at a tailgate at a Nebraska-Iowa State football game. I don't know how. Maybe you knew this guy. I started talking to him, and he tells me this story about how they're playing Missouri. And he he's pissed off because uh, the Missouri Tiger guy, the mascot, keeps coming over to the, their sideline and, like, riling up their fans on fourth down, or I can't remember. <laughs> it was during a, during a time in which he didn't think they should be riling up the fans. And it pissed him off. And he said he got a bunch of kids next to him to coach the the Missouri Tiger mascot to come over close to them. And he jumped on it and started beating the hell out of it. And he started beating up the Missouri Tiger mascot. And then he starts twisting its head and rips its head off to reveal that it is a very small girl in this outfit that he's been beating the shit out of. So um, the short, the he got into a lot of trouble. Uh, no shit. Uh, he he had to do many things to not be expelled permanently from Iowa State. <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, he was just. He said when he ripped the head off and he looked down and there was this uh, young woman, this girl in the outfit. He was like, oh my god. He'd suddenly realized that this is when you realize that you've crossed a line. So. <laughs> There's, there's your story about mascots that just came out. You start uh, start questioning your life decisions. Well, let's now that we're a solid ten plus minutes into the show, let's talk about some of the news of the past week. I was I had a mascot thing. You have more mascot talk? Yeah. Okay, let's go. I we sh- we should have a mastodon, like a guy with a big head with horns coming out of it. And it in a big trunk. And then we could make jokes. His name would be you know, what's the big mastodon's name outside uh, Moral Hall? What is it Archie or something? I mean we could call him Masty and then we'd have a word for his big floppy trunk and it could be his masty dong. <laughs> they call it Dawn, but you know, mast okay, maybe we shouldn't move on. I mean, we do. We do. I mean, something besides a fucking farmer holding a corn cob, for God's sakes. And, and what what would be better than a either that or come up with a live mastodon? You know, just brew one in the. They got genetics going on. They got stuff going on we don't even know about. You know, they're manufacturing things everywhere in labs. They could come up with a live mastodon and lead it out on the field like. Uh, you know, like that fucking Colorado Buffalo thing. You yes, know, the, there have been five and soon six Jurassic World movies or Jurassic Park, you know, in that universe. Not one of them have included a Mastodon, 
Would you like to know why? Because the people who make them are hate Nebraska and they're assholes. That's one theory. Because they didn't live. They didn't live during the time of the dinosaurs. They actually lived up until man was still around. You know. That is one theory. I, why didn't they not? Because Mastodons, they're not exciting like raptors. Mastodons suck. There's 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 no excitement there. There's no thrill. There's no danger. Wasn't there a mastodon in Ice Age? Yeah. What the fuck you got against that? It's a cartoon. Doesn't count. God, you're an angry person. Why am I an angry person? Hates mastodons. that haircut. <laughs> Wasn't I ranting about nonsense last week too? You? I feel like I feel like I had a few rants that made me feel. I think you were calling me old and uh, crotchety. Oh, you, yeah, where well, you were. Now you're just angry. Okay, great. I'm angry. Uh, any more? <laughs> any more mascot talk? What about? Uh, uh, what? What all? So we, we could always do a bug eater. You know, I, I don't know what that would be. Just something chopping on a bug. I, I don't know. It would be like the human fly, the fly, the movie, you know, where he puts himself in the transporter. He's got a giant fly for his head, and the rest of his body is human. And then we could give him fly wings and attach him to shit. He could fly around PBA. And when he lands on people, they go, yeah, you got a free, like, runza. And it'd be like assaulting fans, you know. You know, they could do something. They could do something nondescript, like, the Philly fanatic or like gritty. I don't know why I'm on Philadelphia <laughs> mascots, but they could do something nondescript like that. Make it red and call it bug eater. There we go. That'd work. Okay. Well, that is a theory that uh, we need to submit in writing with a petition from change.org. Uh, probably need at least 20, 25,000 signatures and, yeah. uh, and submit that to the athletic department. Well, John, get the art department going on that, and I'll advise. So, yeah. you know, what we need to do is maybe start a group of extremists called the Bug Eaters, and all wear weird fucking shirts and storm Memorial Stadium. Take back our mascot, because I hear that goes over well. At this point, we would like to issue a disclaimer, saying that the. Uh, uh, Viewpoints and uh, opinions shared by John Johnston do not necessarily <laughs> reflect uh, the Five Heart Podcast, Coordination.com, SB Nation, or any of its subsidiaries. Okay, maybe we should go on to the news now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's start with the old mastodon in the room, and that is Wandale Robinson uh, has entered the transfer portal. Uh, John, we were just talking about this last week. This is when I got pretty fired up about, you know, not honoring commitments and, uh, you know, no, no drive to work harder. Nobody is questioning Wandale Robinson's spot. You know, it's not like he was not a starter, not seeing playing time. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm backtracking or backpedaling or whatever, uh, his message that that he you know said in his announcement about entering the transfer portal was uh, well thought out and uh, uh, you know, like going home because his mom got sick, couldn't see mom, hadn't been home since March or April of last year, and uh, you know he, he, I think he said something to the effect of his mother's like maybe the only reason or the biggest reason why he was playing football, 
and uh, you know not being able to be near her. Again, I don't want to sound back you know, like I'm backpedaling, but uh, uh, and I hate to see him go. It's okay, it's okay. You can backpedal. <laughs> real men, real men could admit their mistakes and say, you know, I was wrong. Let's move on with life. And, Thanks, Judd. And it's okay, you know. So anyway, um, I, nobody will beat you up about being completely wrong about that subject. Absolutely, completely wrong. <laughs> so anyway, uh, going to go uh, continue his career someplace closer to home. Uh, again, hate to see him go. Wish him the best, and uh, hope everything works. Now out today for him. it came out that he might go to Purdue. Yeah, Purdue's still closer to home, but I don't know if that's going to be beneficial for him in the long run. I don't know. David Bell, Rondale Moore, Wandale Robinson. That sounds like a dangerous offensive combination. You can guard two guys with cornerbacks, but you can't guard three. Do you think, and, and I'm not, uh, David Bell is a first-round draft pick right now. Is he? Uh, that I mean, was, he's up there. I mean, just He's a round draft pick, yes. J- I don't know if he's, is he first-round talent? Wasn't that wasn't that all the hype in uh, in heading into that game? Is you know, he's he's got you know Sunday ability and and uh, he's not going to be in in uh, West Lafayette next year and all this other stuff. I feel like it that was definitely part of the dare I say narrative uh, surrounding him. So I well, I've, I think he's he's a good receiver, but you've got uh, oh Jamar Chase. Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle's fucking excellent. We'll see what happens to him. Rashad Bateman, Minnesota. Devontae Smith, obviously Alabama. Rondell Moore, Purdue. Alave from Ohio State. Kadarius Tony, Florida. I don't know if there's if he's really well. Let's go to Walter Football real quick. That's the one I usually look at. Well, I don't want. <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is, I mean, and, well, you said Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore's not coming back. I don't think is he? No. Okay. He, he opted out, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. opted in. He opted out, then back in, then back out. Right. So um, did Rashad Bateman. But it, to your point, you said, I don't know, uh, uh, having to guard Bell and Moore and Robinson, but we know at, at least it's not going to be all three of those guys. Well, that's true. So I, I was, you know, I, I wasn't trying to necessarily draw out the, the topic or, you know, um, you know, I'm just saying we know at least one of those guys is not coming back. There's a bigger story here, isn't there, that we're ignoring? All right, let me before we get there, because I, I I think I, I know where you're heading. All right, are right, has anybody on in this conversation? Are has any of them lost faith in either Scott Frost or or the coaching staff or the direction of the program? Players? Are you talking about yeah, players lost faith? I'm talking about if any of the if, if either of you guys, myself included, if if any of us in this conversation have lost faith in the direction that the program is headed. Maybe in Scott Frost. I, I don't think that I've lost faith. I'm. I I guess you know when I listened to the podcast last week and you guys talking about this a little bit, I'm. I'm not in favor of the portal, and I think the portal has, I think it's caused a lot of problems. And, um, but by the same token, you know, I'm all about 
what's in the best at, uh, interest of the athlete. Um, Greg, you were talking about commitment. I think, you know, they, they commit. I mean, let's be true. Let's be honest. You know, there very few of them are committing in their minds. Are they committing to an institution? They're committing to a coach or a football program. And people that want to make that argument, yeah, you know what, it is the University of Nebraska, you know, that's providing that grant and aid so that they can get a college education. I get that. But, you know, there, there, there has to be, it, it can't be so simple that they can be, you know, disgruntled and just leave like that and go play somewhere else immediately. Um, now I understand that a coach can get disgruntled, you know, or a coach can, you know, walk away for more money and coach right away. So I, I don't know how to balance that, but, um, am I disillusioned? Uh, do I doubt, um, Scott Frost and, and the program? Well, we've read about some rumors where there's, you know, they're not on, you know, all the coaching staffs on the same page. You know, then that's a Scott Frost issue. He he needs to write the ship. And um, yeah, we lost JD Spielman. We've lost Wandale Robinson, two top playmakers in two consecutive years. I'd be lying if I wasn't concerned about that. Um, but I don't know that I've lost faith. I'm going to keep hope alive. I guess. I haven't. I haven't <clears throat> lost faith. I think he probably. You know, you always have to come up with a staff that's going to get along together. And I hate to, I hate to reference fucking PJ Fleck with his row of the boat shit, but everybody does have to go in the same direction. And if they're not, then you've got friction and then you've got problems. So <clears throat> I think sometimes it just, it's going to take some time to work out. Oh shit. It's been three years <clears throat> and the guy hasn't even won enough to get to a bull yet. Like I, I guess I, I have always kept hope in our coaches just because I don't want to see him fail. But I feel, still think that Scott Frost is a good coach. Is he going to figure it out in Nebraska? Yeah, but he's going to have to get over all these misconceptions he had when he came to the Big Ten. Like uh, maybe get linemen that can actually compete in the Big Ten, and he's finally doing that. And we saw that toward the end of the season where we had some linemen that uh, – you know, well, I guess they competed well with Rutgers. That's a Big Ten team. <laughs> you know, we. I think we're getting there. I've said this a few times, but I don't think we're that far away from being a decent team. We have one position that's really caused us a lot of problems, and unfortunately there's been one guy that's been involved in that position that's obviously quarterback. And I, I really think that you need to uh, – you know, you can't have your whole fucking career and your success and everything tied up in one guy. You can't. You, nobody would ever do that. Well, okay, you you know what you have when you have a business and you have, like, founders and you have people who are important to businesses? You have insurance on them, right? So that if something happens to them, your whole com company doesn't go down the toilet, Right? That's what protects you. You don't have that in college football. You don't have insurance on Adrian Martinez that if he sucks, you go, ah, I got the insurance card that says I get out of not being fired as a head coach. So, you know, we got to figure out that one position probably before everything. 
And uh, I think we, we, you know what, Wandale Robinson probably, well, may have stayed. I guess I'm reading more into the fact that nobody hit him when he was running down the field very well or the other receivers, and they weren't throwing the ball down the field very well or much at all because of just fear. So you figure out that one thing, and I think a lot of things are going to fall into place for him. You know, I wanted to I, say, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to say something too, though, that before I forgot it. You know, something that, that does trouble me is, you know, we've heard Scott Frost talk a lot about culture, a lot about culture. And that's, you know, that's coach speak about anywhere. But, you know, I'm just going to give three examples where, uh, where I've seen this and you see, see it in the way that the players play. You look at what Fleck has done at Minnesota. You look at what Shiano has done in, in one year at Rutgers. And you look at what Matt Campbell's done at Iowa State. Those players have bought into what they're selling. You can tell it when they play. You can tell it by the way they interact and, re- and uh, interact and engage with the coaches and that kind of stuff. I haven't seen that. You know, what... What has anybody seen that gives us an idea that the players at the University of Nebraska have bought into what Scott Frost is talking about? I haven't. What about Eric Janander? He's not the guys head on the coach, de- buddy. I know he's not the head coach, but I think the guys on the defense have bought into whatever Eric Janander is selling because, number one, they're coming back, and number two – yeah, they improved immensely. A year ago, everybody wanted firing. Yeah. No, and, and, and to uh, your point, John, uh, you're absolutely there is something to be said there. Like there, um, there's a word that's in my brain. I can't get it out. Uh, but they, and it's not like the the as you mentioned, coach speech. Uh, but they is it dirty? No, it. Uh, I, I got it. it it's here. It, it came back now. Uh, endorsed. I feel like all like the the uh, the Cam Taylor Brits, the JoJo Domans, uh, whoever else comes back uh, on that defensive squad is an endorsement in part of Chenander because they could transfer. You know, I, we know uh, DiCaprio Boodle declared for the draft, uh, but they have other options. So I feel like you know when when Cam Taylor Britt, who's and JoJo Doman both who are, you know, especially with. The Wandale's, you know, departure, but you have two of maybe your top three football players coming back. Obviously, both on the defensive side of the ball. I I do think that it is uh, something of a, of a positive endorsement for for what's happening on that side on on the defensive side of things. We did get some guys to come in. Yeah, let's. I mean, we should talk about that. Uh, one is a FCS All American. I believe from Montana. The U. (laughs) The University of Montana. I was right. Missoula. That's where Todd Wilberton went to college in 1980. Is it? Yeah. So let's talk about Montana. Not as a football program, but as a state. Because I've seen Montana in pictures, and it looks beautiful. I see Montana in pictures in winter, and I say, no way in hell. <laughs> Montana well, is and then there's Then there's the musical. The musical oh, Montana. Montana, where the wind comes rushing down the plains. 
I think stars are bright. The butts are tight. I don't know the words. Anyway, Samori. That's a different Turi? musical. What is this guy's name? I can butcher his name. Samori Tour? Tour? Oh, God. That's all right, John. Nobody's Turi. watching by this point. Okay. <laughs> well, he, he sounds like the kind of receiver that Scott Frost has been trying to recruit. Six foot three, 190 pounds, almost 1,500 yards in receiving, 87 passes, 13 touchdowns. Uh, did our team score 13 touchdowns this past season? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> As a whole? I don't think they did, John. Yeah. Maybe we could, you know, and then they, we could get a guy that actually knows what the end zone is like. Wow, that's mean. <laughs> now, after uh, this past uh, Saturday, I believe, of NFL playoffs, I think we need more end zones like the ones on Nickelodeon. I enjoyed watching that. I did. I, I thought I, it was great. So it was, uh, you know, you know what was neat about it? It was different. It was a different right. way to, to uh, showcase the product. You know what it was? They acted like they were playing a fucking game. Every time you watch an NFL broadcast, you swear to God that it's the most serious goddamn thing on the planet. You know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Good God. Could you suck the life? Talk about people that can be replaced by machines. And then you get Nickelodeon, and they're talking about slime and the slime zone and stuff like that. And you kind of went, you know, this is fun. It should be fun. I mean, even though the NFL isn't fun sometimes. But, it's uh, called the No Fun League for a reason. There yeah, you go. They, it, I thought it was it was different, but it was it was it, they could do this shit. They could take two drunk guys in a bar in Boston and broadcast them talking about a game and it, it, as a side broadcast that you could watch and not have to deal with Troy Aikman and Joey Buck every fucking weekend. Please. You know, my son, my rotten son has this line that he, he constantly says about Joe Buck, and it's his passphrase. Pass is caught, because that's what he – it's just inane shit that they just spew. Anyway, I, I, I got an idea. I got an idea. I'll be what the uh, I'll be the play by play announcer. John, you be the uh, uh, in booth color analyst, and Todd can be our sideline reporter. There you go. There you go. Do little watch alongs. <laughs> uh, all right. So we we had uh, the young man coming down from uh, the U of M, and I think more shockingly, depending on who you ask, we picked up. Uh, a running back from the University of Southern California, Marquise uh, Step. Todd, we know. <laughs> well, Marquise Step, he looks like um, you know, kind of the second coming of of Derek Mills to an extent. You know, he's a bigger, more physical kind of a back. Um, I don't know why we can't recruit that type of running back. I mean, it baffles me that we bring in heralded high school performers, and yet when they get here, apparently they they lack whatever is necessary uh, to develop into good players. And I don't want to go down the whole development uh, conversation about Scott Frost's staff. Uh, that we have a take, whole off season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, that, that, that does trouble me a little bit that, 
you know, uh, he's not getting the kind of people that they, that, that are necessary. But anyway, um, this kid from SC, uh, he, he's a banger and, um, you know, that's good. We need another one of those. They've been effective in this offense when they've given them the ball. A, a good replacement for Diedrich Mills. Yeah, Mills, who declared for the NFL draft, and and the the sad thing about that is, God, I I, I wanted so much more for him at Nebraska, but it seems like it. I know there were some injuries, but it just seemed like at times the coaching staff didn't put their trust in him. You know, it, he correct me if I'm wrong, but last year, and and I know he didn't play the entire or didn't start I should say the entire season because I think at the, at the time correct me if I'm wrong we had didn't we have Maurice Washington at the beginning of the 2019 season yeah. still for a little bit so Mills didn't and then we had the other one who left you know like after three or four games um, the other transfer so Mills out of the 12 games I think he only got to really play regularly in seven of them Correct me if I'm wrong, and still was over 800 yards rushing. Am I am I way off base, or am I, I feel like that's close, but I also feel like I might be incorrect. Well, you know, one of the things that I noticed with Mills, and you know, he came from Georgia Tech, where they ran, you know, that triple option type offense, and you know, in the first few games that he played, you know, he was on the, he was hitting the line real quick. I mean, you know, he was really fast straight ahead. And the holes weren't there. Like he was running into the backs of, of the guys up front. Well, the way that those plays, a lot of those plays were designed was to read, you know, to wait and let the hold open and then react. And it seems to me that once Mills kind of got a handle on the difference between those two kinds of offenses, then he really started to thrive. I mean, in, in the games at the end of both of the last seasons, in those games, he was as good a running back as we've seen at Nebraska for, for many years. But you're right. His, his sample was so small. Um, yeah, I, in a way, Greg, I kind of feel cheated that we didn't get to see him. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I'm, I'm just, I pulled up the, the roster, huskers.com real quick, just to look. I'm going to run down the list of running backs, but they're all, I, I, let me, let me rephrase. Let me let me run down the list of running backs that aren't freshmen or redshirt freshmen. <laughs> let's do let's do that. That's a more fun game. It's uh, a uh, long list, huh? <laughs> uh, Diedrich, Diedrich Mills. Yeah. There you go. Connor Ruth, Corbin Ruth, brothers from Malcolm, Nebraska. Uh, Connor is a sophomore. Corbin is a junior. Everybody else is a freshman or redshirt freshman, and like I, no offense to the uh, uh, Zach Winemasters of of the world, uh, you're not gonna play. I mean, we I think we, they know that. I yeah. think they pretty much know that. Maybe they'll get a carry in a game that's a blowout. I mean, we saw a little bit of Ronald Tompkins. Saw a little bit of Marvin Scott the third. Saw a little bit of Ramir Johnson, but I mean, as far as you, you know, you talk about like the the big bruiser, you know, backs that that you might need in the Big Ten. There, there's a freshman from Tallahassee, 
Uh, I'm probably not going to get the name right. I apologize if he's listening. Uh, but he wears a good jersey number. Uh, Jaquez Yant, 6'2", 225, running back. I've never even heard of the kid. Well, Nebraska's team is still, you know, pretty damn young. Which brings me to my next, my next question. Is there anybody, I mean, I know that Frost is now through his third year. Is there anybody left on the roster from the Riley era? Well, I think the guys on the defense that are coming back, right? Yeah, they would be. Okay, Doman. Damian Daniels, Cam if he's Taylor coming back. Britt. Williams. I, I don't think Cam Taylor Britt was from the Riley era. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. I was just the, – the, but the, there's some still around. I mean, you, Matt Farniak just uh, announced for the draft. <laughs> Sorry, um, that was harsh. He might be watching. Sorry, Matt. And Brendan James earlier opted out for the draft, so. Hymas? Yes, son of a bitch. (laughs) I think, I think, I I think I'm, I'm, I think you're right. I'm, I'm, Markel Dismuke, I think, was, uh, was maybe a, a a redshirt freshman in uh, Riley's last year or something like that. So I think there are a couple, but by and large, we are now to the point where we are all in, in Frost guys. You know, Frost guys. Uh, we'll say make up 90, 85 to ninety percent of of your starters, and yeah, right. in, you know probably another eighty five to ninety percent of your bench players. You know your your you know second string and beyond. So at what point do they have to? How much longer is it going to take for Scott Frost players that he and his coaching staff brought in? How much longer is it going to take for them to buy in and everybody be cohesive and I can't believe I'm going to say it. Row in the same direction. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think it's a matter. Even if they bought in, I think it's it's still going to take. Okay, let's use our offensive line at the end of the year. You had a lot of freshmen and a lot of sophomores starting. And next year, you're going to have those same guys starting. If they're all back, nobody gets injured, nobody gets COVID, nobody gets, you know, decides that they're done with football and they're going to go off and be a brain surgeon. It's still going to take time for those guys to play together for a while because before they become a unit, you know, Ramsey and I talked about this when for the national title, that interview. And, and we talked about Northwestern's defense rather than just Ohio State. Why was Northwestern's defense so fucking good this year? A lot of, uh, I was going to say yeah, a lot of experience. They had a lot of experience. And when you have a lot of experience, especially on a defense, you know what the guy's next, you know what the guy as a linebacker next to you is going to do. And most importantly, you know that you can trust him to do his job so you don't get all freaky about that guy's not going to be able to make this tackle. Now I got two holes to fill. Right. And then you're out of your run fits and you're fucking up the defense. So. That experience has to get there, and we have to, you know, I realize you, you started this kind of with, have we lost faith in it? Yeah, but it's still going to take us some time, you know. So I want to. Greg Schiano took a program and, and made them, you know what they were? They were competitive, uh, and they, they were a tough team to play because they suddenly had a lot of heart, and they brought in some transfers that made a huge difference to them. Yeah. Right? I want to piggyback on, on what you're saying, and, and perhaps – uh, into the off season, you know, assuming there are no more surprises, maybe the uh, 
biggest glimmer of hope or, you know, obviously the most stability will be on the defensive side of the ball. I think I saw a statistic that if you had guys like Ben Steele and Will Honus return, you know, decide to come back to Nebraska, then you would have 17 of 22 starters returning. Right. Or did I, did I catch that? 17 or 19. Yeah. Or, or, um, Maybe it, was, maybe it was 17 of 22 defensive players who saw the most snaps returning, something like that. I don't know. There was, it was something that bodes very well for the defense. And, John, like you said, you have that familiarity of knowing, you know, and we know, you know, no DiCaprio Boodle and, and you know, tragically, no Colin Miller. Um, right. So, I mean, but by and large, you should be able to look, you know, to the guy next to you and say, all right, you've got your spot. I've got my spot and, and, you know, figure it out from there and have that, excuse me, have that kind of trust. So some of the chili for dinner coming back to bite. So apologize. Well, I would hope too, that some of those younger players with another year of experience, maybe that weren't on the field a whole lot. I would hope that they're going to push and challenge as well, because, you know, you'd like to think, that, you know, Scott Frost and his coaching staff is recruiting players to take the job of the guys that they already have. And, you know, so hopefully some of those guys are going to be able to, you know, take those big steps that um, that need to be taken. I think that's what it's all about. That's what that's what drove the and you guys both know this better than me, obviously, but that's what drove those 90s teams. to greatness is because, you know, the uh the, the, what was it? The famous quote, and I'm paraphrasing now, but uh, you know, I think the the offense made a comment like, you know, the toughest defense we ever had to face all season long was in our own practices, and you know, things like that. So, yeah, you need to have that push from you know the that uh, competition from the guys who are who are fighting for a spot, and and there shouldn't be any complacency, and, and everybody needs to be you know working harder every day. You know the other the other problem with the, you talked about being bought in. Uh, you know from being in your position for years as a principal, I, you were never a superintendent, were you? I no. was not. No, but a principal, and a principal is kind of like the head guy at a team, and he has his own set of coaches underneath him. All these teachers and all these vice principals and and pit bulls and people that go beat up the children, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> But you know that it's I not just it. a matter of it's not just a matter of buying in. It's also a matter of having everybody on the same page when it comes mm-hmm. to the communication and everybody understanding throughout the entire levels of the organization what they're supposed to be doing with regards to how you communicate. So if you've got like one guy and I'm making this up just so you everybody understands this. There's no rumors I know of. If you have, for example, one guy who is the offensive coordinator and he's telling his players, this is what we're going to do on offense. And then you have an offensive line coach or a run game coordinator that's telling them something just a little bit different. You're going to run into confusion and then you're going to run into shit where I don't know. The players are false starting sometimes or they're getting called for holding because confusion leads to mistakes, doesn't it, Todd? It does. And, you know, that that kind of leads into. You know, my, my fundamental belief is that if there's one thing that the Nebraska football team needs to do, it's to become a more disciplined team. 
And if if that team, with the current roster that we have, if they can drastically reduce the mental mistakes and the penalties, um, they're going to win quite a few more ball games. It's just, to me, you know, the, the beauty with watching the, the Nebraska teams in the 80s and 90s was the execution. They were a machine, and, and they clicked, and they always fired on the same cylinder. And we're not seeing that. And until that happens, and that all comes back to discipline, holding yourself accountable because you're not going to let down the guy next to you, and you're not going to let down those other 10 guys that are on the field, and you're not going to let down the program. And somehow that's what Scott Frost and the rest of the coaching staff must instill if they're ever going to be a winning team. This is where you take over again, Greg. I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you guys were having a delightful conversation. I was making a sign to hold up. <laughs> oh, God. What, really? A sign? <laughs> okay. Caller, text the show, 402-237. Nope. Wait a minute. Call or text the show, 402-327-1830. Operators will not be standing by, but you can leave a voicemail and then we'll maybe read it on the show or at least have some feedback or direction about where you want to take this goddamn thing because we just make shit up sometimes. We do that a lot. A um, couple of the names we forgot to mention as far as players coming back. Uh, Markel Desmuke is coming back, Deontay Williams. Uh, so three Defensive players. Yes, yeah. And I do wonder if that, uh, you know, we... we joked about this earlier, but I do wonder if that's indicative of something else. You know, if, if I don't know, I, I don't know what needs to happen on the offensive side. I feel like there's a lot of talent there. I just feel like, yes, John, you, you could point out the fact that we have like 645 players on offense. <laughs> I could, you know, I mean, we have a, and, and we, we have, have more coming in like 150 players and 800 of them are offensive players. <laughs> what do we got? 63 ride receivers. So you could take the approach to this that well receiver that uh, the offensive players are leaving because there's no room on that part of the ship for them. Not that it's sinking, but it's in a storm. Well, I just feel like maybe uh, Connor and Corbin Ruth could uh, transfer to South Dakota, become a jackrabbit or something. I mean, come on, guys. I know you're. No, from- they're looking forward to that senior day when they can run out of the tunnel. Yeah with their Nebraska uniform on like they dreamed about when they were a little kid. Yeah. Right. They're going to be Rudy, goddammit. I'll stop picking it on them. Because- the cheesiest movie ever made, but you know that it's one scene in movie. that movie where, where where Rudy hits the guy and the guy gets pissed off and says, you're playing like it's the Super Bowl, and the era Parsegian and the coach busts his star player down to the third team because he hates his attitude. You know, that, those guys are needed for that kind of shit. Beat up people in practice. You ready for this, champ? I've been ready for this my entire life. Then you lead us out on the field. What a, what a cheesy... Right, I'm getting a little... Just, just a little it's my favorite movie. I'm, I'm getting a little little emotional. Are you uh, crying? A little bit. Shut up, John. Um, all right. So do we have anything else? I mean, we got a long off-season ahead. I'm excited because, uh, you know... Or wait, no. I can't, we can't go anywhere. Todd wants to talk about wrestling. Well, it's that time of year, finally. 
You got to sing it, though. If you're going to say it, you got to sing it. It's like the Frank Sinatra Christmas song. It's that time of year. Oh, God, I can't. I can't sing. (laughs) John's wearing his ugly Christmas pajamas. This is not Christmas. I'm sorry, pandemic. Pandemic wear. It's not pajamas. Hey, fuck. Well, you know, the the wrestling season did start, and, you know, wrestling's become John's new second favorite sport. And uh, it was uh, Nebraska started against Minnesota last Friday night, and 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 they looked good um, in some of the matches. <laughs> they uh, got a few of those guys that need to get in shape yet. Um, but that was a nice win for for Nebraska coming out of the shoots against uh, against Peyton Minnesota. Rob got upset. Wasn't that his first loss to Minnesota ever? Uh, it could have been, and he gassed at the end. You know, he wrestled a hot shot true freshman from California that uh, came out and and didn't quit. And, um, you know, Peyton Robb was successful last year in a lot of his matches because he was just a grinder. He would just stay on people and just wear them down. And and he was not able to do that to that kid. Um, and I think the other disappointment for me was uh, Alex Thompson at, at 133 pounds. And uh, he did not wrestle a good match, but... You know, the kid that stepped in at 184, this uh, Hannah kid that's a freshman, also from California. It was What's great. What's his last name? Pardon? What's his last name? Wasn't it Hannah? Was it Haas? Was, it's Haas. Haas. There you go. Excuse me. My bad. Um, Haas. His walk-up music was some French operatic music, which um, they, when, the, <laughs> when the guys on Big Ten Network, when the announcers – Jim Gibbons uh, said, "Hey, you got to tell me what that walk-up song was." And he says, "I don't know. It's French." And he says, "I just thought it was really cool." <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> French opera was his walk-up song, and um, he's a he's a fashion design major uh, at the University of Nebraska, or that's his area of emphasis in the College of Design, or whatever it is. Kind of a an interesting kid, but boy, he looked he looked really good against a kid uh, from Minnesota that won 28 matches last year, who's a tough kid to beat. And kind of kicked his ass. Yeah, he did. He, he looked really, really good. Of course, Chad Red looked good, and Eric Schultz looked good. But um, You know what I thought about that Haas kid? What do you think? He, I thought he had the look of a guy that's probably walked off the matches, walked off the match, picked up his phone, ordered some fucking guys whacked, and didn't even think about it. <laughs> after He's just like, yeah, fuck him. Get rid of him. And then just going to go on to the next match. God, that guy, he just looks like an ass kicker. Yeah, he, he did look good. And the, the Hardy kid that uh, came back from his Mormon mission in there at 149 pounds, um, he beat a, he beat a good wrestler from Minnesota. Um, and of course, Mikey Labriola, you know, he's, he's the, he's the heart and soul of the team. He's the emotional guy and, and he got a fall there. At 174. So it was a good, it was a good win for Nebraska. However, Friday night, they're going over to Carver Hawkeye, which will not be the typical Carver Hawkeye because there's no fans. There will not be 15,000 Iowa screaming maniacs, um, in, in the arena, but Iowa brings back every wrestler that they had last year from one of the better teams in recent years, except for one. And they only replaced him with a guy who is now ranked number one in the nation at 141 pounds. 
um, a transfer in from Missouri named Jaden Ironman. But Nebraska, this is going to be this will be an interesting test for Nebraska because they wrestled Iowa very good last year. They didn't they didn't win very many matches, um, but they wrestled tough in every match. So it'll be interesting to see um, how the boys fare against the Hawkeyes over in Iowa. It's got to be a you know different, just di- different atmosphere. The uh, the one who did not return from last year was that the one who that won? Is, he won the national Patrick championship. Bugo. Patrick Lugo at 149. Okay. Did he did win the national return. championship? Pardon? Did, did they, they didn't have the national championship. They didn't have the national championship. Who who was their who was their stud last year? I mean, I guess it's Iowa, so you can take your pick. But felt like they had they had one guy who you know like even a, a casual wrestling observer would know. Um, that'd be Lee at uh, 125. That's what it was. Um, Spencer Lee, yeah, as blank on his first name. Yeah, he's he's the top dog. But you know the, what? What will be worth watching? I mean, you know, they'll have this on Big Ten Network. There's going to be three matches that, you know, it's going to be the fur's going to fly. Uh, Chad Red at 141, he's going to go against this Jaden Ironman, who's the top ranked guy at 141. Um, and then Mickey Labriola. At 174, he's going to wrestle the number one ranked Michael Kemmer, um, who Kemmer is a tough guy and he's just, he's a grinder. And then Eric Schultz is ranked number two from Nebraska. And so then at 197, he's going to wrestle Jacob Warner. He's beaten Warner, um, beat Warner last year in the duel. Um, he's got Warner's number. And, um, but those, those three matches will, I mean, those will be worth the price of admission. They should, those should be three very, very good matches. Well, if I didn't have to work late on Friday, I'd probably try to watch that. But you didn't—you didn't even mention uh, Gable Stevenson. Well, you know, I know that Gable Stevenson is your favorite wrestler. Um, He's a fucking freak job, man. Gable Stevenson. I think my favorite wrestler is actually Chad Red, but you know, the the, the guy is Gable Stevenson is just wild to watch because he's just uh, he's a nice Gable guy. Stevenson's incredible and he's the heavyweight uh, 285 wrestler at Minnesota for those that don't pay any attention. Right now he is the best heavyweight wrestler in the United States not just in the NCAs he has knocked off the guy who has represented the U.S. in the World Championships in the last Olympics Nick, I can't say his last name Gwizdowski um, who wrestled at NC State. Gable Stevenson's beaten him twice in the last 12 months. Hmm. Um, Gable Stevenson is a guy who wrestles at 285 pounds, but he wrestles like that guy who weighs 141 or 149. He does not wrestle like a heavyweight. Um, he's won, I think, three world championships at age group, you know, cadets and juniors. So the guy is the real deal. Um, but he is... He's not very well liked <laughs> outside of the state of Minnesota. I don't know what it is about Minnesota heavyweights. You know, Brock Lesnar was a Minnesota heavyweight, and he was booed the moment that the moment the guy set foot on the mat. It didn't matter where they were wrestling. That guy was booed by everybody except for Minnesota fans. And that's pretty much the same way it is with Gable Stevenson. Well, Stevenson um, brings it on himself. He does. Yeah, so does. And, and he enjoys it. He loves it. 
part of it is, now think about this. What fan base would hate Gable Stevenson the worst? <laughs> I don't know, the that, stinky Iowa Hawkeyes. That would be the Iowa Hawkeyes. When Gable, <laughs> Gable Stevenson was actually named after the legendary Iowa coach Dan Gable. And when he was a little kid growing up, they, he wore Iowa Hawkeye wrestling gear all the time. I mean, he was headed to the University of Iowa. And I don't know, there's some convoluted story about what happened. I don't remember what it was. But the fact that Gable Stevenson did not go to the University of Iowa. Um, we've got a guy who is on uh, a lot of our, uh, you know, that posts regularly, Thor. Um, is an Iowa Hawkeye and he's always on there and he's a wrestling, a wrestling fan. And, and Thor, I don't think Thor can even say the name Gable Stevenson. He hates him so bad. Well, uh, again, check that out. Uh, see if this podcast drops Friday. Make sure you check out, uh, Big Ten Network, Nebraska, Iowa, uh, wrestling. Actually, I, I had to correct a friend of the show, Josh, because he called it wrestling. I said, no, no, wrestling is that garbage. You know, on TNT in USA, this is wrestling. And he knows that because he, he wrestled in high school. He's just fun to me. Um, I so, got one more bit of good news. Volleyball starts next week. Oh, yeah. Volleyball. That would be my second favorite team. <laughs> I mean, not according to that picture over your shoulder. Just saying. Which, over here? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's number number one on your shelf, number one in your heart, John. By the way, that uh, that is Wandale right there. I know. That's you should honestly just give that to him, John the weatherman. That was really good. How you can't even. And this is a fan. See, I can't do it. <laughs> That's a light that looks like a boob. It really does. It really looks like a boob. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, that picture of Wandale should, should go home with Wandale, John, just saying. Well, I don't know. That's a special benefit. Maybe after you graduate. <laughs> Is it though? I mean, it's not like it's the, I mean, no offense. It doesn't have monetary value, right? Yes, it does. I can't sell them. Therefore, they have monetary value. I thought if you could sell them, they had monetary value because they were worth something. No, I can't sell them because they are not, number one, they're not licensed. Then number two, they are amateur athletes. Mm. Amateur. Now, okay, so while we're on the conversation uh, or on the topic, the one over your other shoulder of, of Memorial Stadium, could you can't do anything with that because you don't have license to sell Memorial Stadium imagery or... I don't know. I've never asked about that. I've only asked about uh, athletes. Okay. Well, that's a very intriguing and uh, entertaining conversation, and I do thank you and hate myself for bringing it up. Uh, <laughs> that'll do it, I think, for this episode of uh, the Five Heart Podcast because it is only uh, March. Not it's not March. No, hold on. It's only January. We've got a long March to go till uh, football again. So uh, we're going to save a few topics for, uh, uh, for down the road. So uh, we appreciate uh, Todd uh, always and John. And remember, call or text the show at 402-327-1830. That 
didn't even make it in the frame. All right. Uh, so do that, and you too could be on the Five Heart Podcast. It's a happening place to be. Uh, so for Todd, for John, I'm Greg Mahochko, and my dog down here who just popped in and said hello, uh, reminding you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red.